wanted to speak this morning about names. What's in a name? The great William Shakespeare said something about names. He said, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Remember that from Romeo and Juliet? Names are important. When we think about passages like Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They're referring to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Names are important. Think all the way back to creation when God created heavens and the earth and he brought the animals before Adam. Remember what Adam did? He named them. God often says, for my name's sake, or he might say, in my name. There's that one famous passage that I refer to a lot there in Exodus chapter 3. I love it so much when Moses is being commissioned by God. And he says, if I go and tell the people that God has sent me, um, who do I tell them? How do I make them understand about this mission? And God says, tell them that I am has chosen you for this mission. God underscoring his name. His name means I am. It goes on there in verse 15. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. God's name carries a lot of weight. Just his name means a lot to us. You've heard this before probably. Boy, that guy really made a name for himself. Probably also heard this. He brought shame on the family name. Our name tells the story of our self. If I were to say Mark Twain, right now you're already picturing in your mind white hair, big mustache, white suit, string tie. You're thinking about all the books that he wrote, all the quotes that were attributed to him, some things he said, some he didn't. And just from hearing his name, just from hearing the name Mark Twain, you get a mental image about who he was, things he did, the things he said, the things he wrote. So what do people think when they hear your name? I want you to consider that question. We're going to come back to it at the end of our time here together. But think about that. Think about your name. What does your name mean? Names are so important that sometimes it's necessary to change your name. Think about witness, witness relocation. They change people's name, give them a whole new identity, move them to a different part of the country to protect them because they're known by their name. Women typically take, take their husband's last name when they get married. That's typically the way things are done. Lineages are traced through the, the men, through the last name of the men. We see name changes in the Bible, typically signifying a change in that person, their role as God's servant, or, or something that, that will serve to remind them, remind others of them, the things that they have done by simply changing their name. So I wanted to begin by looking at a few of these. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. In our Sunday morning class, we looked here recently 
in Genesis chapter 17, we looked at the circumcision, the covenant that God made with Abraham and signifying that covenant by the circumcision. Here in chapter 17, by this point, God has already made that promise to Abraham about the nation and the, the great nation that he would make and the land and the blessings that would come through salvation. By the way, in that blessing in the, there in chapter 12, part of what God says, he says, I will make your name great. Also, he had promised him a son who would be Isaac there in chapter 15. So these promises have already been made to Abraham. And in chapter 17, a little later on, like I mentioned, he's going to be giving him the covenant of circumcision to bind that covenant between the two of them. But before he does that, he's going to change his name. I've been saying Abraham the whole time. Earlier, he was known as Abram. Look there in verse 5 in chapter 17. It says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Abram means exalted father. You know what Abraham means? It means father of a multitude. We understand why this name change came about, don't we? We understand what Abraham means. He was going to be the father of many nations, a multitude. So God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham's very name tells us that he had many descendants that would come after him, as God would promise. Instead of just exalted father, now he's the father of many nations, the father of a multitude. Remember Abraham's wife, Sarah? Her name wasn't always Sarah. It was Sarai. Sarah had a name change too. It happened here in chapter 17. Look in verses 15 and 16. Then God said to Abraham, As for, your, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be the mother of nations, kings of people shall come from her. You know what the, uh, what the name Sarah means? It means princess. A princess is in the royal family. She's descended from a king. She has the possibility of being queen sometime, if things work out. But she's in the royal family. It says there in verse 16, kings of people shall come from her. Think about Sarah, about who indeed did come from Sarah. Many kings did come from her, including the king of kings. That's Jesus Christ our Lord. Isaac would be born the next year to Sarah, even though she was old in her age and hadn't conceived to that point. The next year, Isaac is going to be born to her. And God said that he would establish an everlasting covenant with his descendants. And so Isaac would be born. And to Isaac would be born Jacob and Esau. Remember the story, don't we? And through Jacob, the promise of Abraham continues. Jacob will have 12 descendants that will come from him, and they will be known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, wait a minute. I thought his name was Jacob. Well, it was, until God changed it. Remember the story? Genesis 32, turn there with me. 
Genesis chapter 32, beginning verse 24. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go. Um, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, You shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and the men uh, and with men and have prevailed. The name Jacob, by the way, means one who supplants or one who takes by the heel. Remember the, the story of Jacob and Esau's birth? They were twins, remember? Esau was born first and Jacob was holding on to his heel. There's a lot of meaning to his name, doesn't it? But his name means one who supplants. Remember, Esau being the firstborn, he was in, entitled to, the, uh, to all that came to the firstborn through the lineage. But it was going to be Jacob that would actually get the blessing. He supplanted the blessing that would come to Esau. What does Israel mean? Israel mean one, means one who strives with God. That name has quite a bit of meaning, doesn't it? One who strives with God because he wrestled with this angel all night. And the only way the angel won was by putting his hip out of joint. name has quite a bit of meaning. Wouldn't the nation of Israel continually strive with God throughout their history? Think about the name, strives with God. Israel's going to go on to strive with God throughout their history. So now the name Israel, when we hear that, we think about what God said about Israel. They're a stiff-necked and uncircumcised people. What does that mean? Is they fallen out of the covenant that they had made with him because they weren't following after what he did or what he t- commanded them to do. Now the name Israel comes synonymous with the children of Israel, with the nation of Israel, and the people that were constantly wrestling with God. Some more about names here at the end of this story. Look in verse 29. It says, Then Jacob asked and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose up over just as it crossed over Peniel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh and the sinew of the hip. I might, made, I might have made a mistake a minute ago about who won the fight. It seems that Jacob would have won the fight, even though the, the hip was dislocated, because it says he strives with God, and he has overcome. What about these names here? Why would Jacob want to know the name of the angel? Was it perhaps to, to know a little bit more about him? You know, names mean things. Maybe by knowing his name, he would have known something about him. Maybe it was just human nature that he wanted to know who this was he was fighting with all night. What's your name? It didn't tell him. But Jacob does go on to name the place that this all took place, Peniel. If you break that word down, it means the face of God. 
He said that he had seen God's face, and yet he was still alive. So he named the place. So that place name has meaning to it. And he goes on to say how the, the children of Israel didn't eat the sinew of the hip there. That was a tradition that was handed down because of the things that took place there in Peniel. What if I told you? What if I told you that you could have a new name? And if you were going to get a new name, what would that name be? Would you want it to describe something that happened to you in the past? Something that has come to define you? Would you want the name to describe a certain characteristic about you? Or would you want it to describe your relationship with God? David read there from Isaiah 2. And the second part of verse 2 there says, and, and you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. During Jesus' time on earth, those that were following after him were called disciples. The disciple means simply a student or a learner. And of those disciples, there were 12 men who also wore another name, and that was the name of Apostle. And that means one sent with authority. They were still disciples. But they also called the apostles as they go out, spread the gospel, sent with authority. The disciples of Jesus are students of Jesus. It means as if I'm a disciple, then I'm learning about Jesus constantly. It means that I'm a student of his forever. It means I'll never graduate. I'll always just be a student. I'll always be a student of Jesus while I'm on this earth. And brethren, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing to be a student of Jesus your whole life. Oftentimes we see men and women who think they graduate and think there's no more that they can learn from Jesus and Scripture tells us otherwise. If you're wanting a new name, might I suggest the name Christian? In Acts 11, verse 26, it says, And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. By the way, there's three times in Scripture that the word Christian is used. This is the first one here in 11:26. The second time is over in chapter 26, verse 28. And Paul there is speaking to Agrippa. Remember what Agrippa says to him. Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. And the last time we hear it is in 1 Peter 4 and verse 16. It says, if anyone suffers as a Christian. So this means that a disciple and a Christian are the same thing. It says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So that means if I call myself a Christian... I have to understand that makes me a disciple. And what does that make me? That makes me a student. It makes me a learner. I'm a student of Christ. If I wear that name, I have to understand that people will associate me with Christ. If I'm wearing Christian as a name, then I'm associated with Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. It means I'm going to be held to that standard. It also means I can't be ashamed of that name. There's a lot in that name, isn't there? 
There's a death, burial, and resurrection in that name. There's the treatment of our Lord while he's here on, the, on earth in that name. There's all the fulfillment of the Old Testament in Christ in that name. If I, should wear, if I should wear the name Christian, I should wear it with full reverence and honor that it deserves. Not bringing shame to that name. If you've been baptized into Christ and you are a follower of his, then you have to put on that name Christian. You get to put on that name Christian. And I encourage you to consider what we just discussed there. Take a look at your life. Are you worthy of wearing that name? Are you ashamed of the Lord? Do you understand what it means to be a learner, a disciple of Christ? Know how important that name is if you're wearing it. Don't bring shame on that name. We asked the question earlier. What do people think when they hear your name? Does your name mean something other than just so the mail can get to me, my address, so my social security can come to me, my paycheck can come to me, all those catalogs and junk mail? Has something happened in your life that people now associate with your name? You have a chance to wear a new name. You have a chance to change your name. And that name is Christian. You can wear that name. It identifies you as one who follows after Jesus Christ. It identifies you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And his name is very special. His name is glorious. In Philippians 2, beginning in verse 9, it says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will come a point in everyone's life that they'll know who Jesus Christ is. It may be when their life is over and they stand before him in judgment. But I promise you, everyone will know the name Jesus Christ, either in this life or the next. If you are holding to that name in this life, I got some news for you also. There's another new name that's ahead of us. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. There's another new name that awaits us. And this is the name that our Lord himself will give to us. In Revelation 2, verse 17, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Also over in chapter 3 and verse 17, sorry, verse 12, it says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write upon him the name of my God, 
and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. God's going to give us a new name. And that name will describe us for all eternity if we manage to be found faithful in the end. There's only one way to wear that name. There's only one way to wear the name Christian while we're on this earth until we get to that point where we're standing before our judge and our God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Romans 13, beginning in verse 11. It says, do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to his lust. Have you put on Jesus Christ? Have you put on his name? Are you a disciple of his? Have you been buried in baptism and rose up to walk in newness of life? And after that, to be called Christian, you must remain faithful to God. We spoke in our Bible class this morning about Israel, how they strayed from God and how he punished them. There's punishment for us as well if we don't remain faithful to Jesus Christ. Revelation 20 and verse 15, it says, And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Is that, is that the name that you want? Do you want a name that's not written in the book of life? I don't. I want to go to heaven. And I beg all of you to come with me. If you're a child of God and you're not wearing the name Christian as you ought, I beg you to repent. Make things right. Make, make it so that you're not bringing shame on that name. Make it so that you wear that name with all the honor and glory and dignity it deserves. If you're not a child of God, God, you haven't gotten the new name. You haven't put on Christ. There's only one way to do that. That's through obedience. Obedience to the gospel call and surrendering in baptism. If you're not a child of God, I beg you also, become one. Whatever your needs might be, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.